Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And it's HBO week at ASU. It is. It is, yes, yes. The Mighty Sun Devils are home for day football. Yeah, in early, yeah. in early to mid-October against the Washington State Cougars. And what should be a relatively nice day, um, you know, you, you know as well as I do from uh, October's in Arizona that you just never know. You can get some days in the high 90s, but, uh, you know, we got a nice nice little weather front coming through. It's uh, highs are, are, you know, not getting over 90 today and through the weekend. So, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a little warm in the sun, but uh, could be worse. You know, October 12th at 1230, you never know. This should not be all that bad. The Sun Devils have moved up to number 18 in the polls. The Cougars have lost their only two conference games. Senior quarterback Anthony Gordon has 22 touchdown passes for the Cougars in a traditional Mike Leach offense. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like impossible. Nine in one game. Yeah. It's almost impossible to read anything into their stats, I mean, it's their video game numbers. They're putting up they almost are. 45 they points are. a game. They're averaging almost 550 yards of total offense. But they're allowing over 440 yards of offense. And, yeah. you know, yeah. they gave yeah. up 67 well, points to UCLA. <laughs> yep, and then 38 to Utah, who's not, a you know, normally an explosive offense. Um, I mean, they, not 67 to UCLA, 50 in the second half, and then 38 to Utah. So, uh, what, 90 or close to 90 points, 88 points in, in the last six quarters, which, you know, goes along with probably why their defensive coordinator isn't there anymore. Um, you know, that's the thing about the Washington State teams of the last couple years is they've actually been pretty solid defensively. Not dominant, but pretty solid. And and it's, you know, it's been the difference between them going 7-5 and five and, you know, last year winning, what, 10 games. Now, I mean, obviously Minshew had a great year and became such a sensation there, but you know, they, they play pretty good defense, too, and this year that's not been the case so far. The Cougs are the same team they've been since Mike Leach showed up. They're the same team Texas Tech was when Mike Leach was there. They're going to score points. It, yeah, it's what he does. You know. it, I mean, like, you know, and, and I mean, you and I, I think we, we both respect what he's done. I, I think some people view him as a gimmick. And his personality goes along with that and where he's coached. But, boy, I mean, you know, I, I realize he hasn't won in the same fashion. But, you know, what do we hear about Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma? Oh, my God, every quarterback he touches turns to gold. Well, Mike Leach's been doing this for about 20 years. Uh, you know, and he hasn't been doing it with the talented quarterbacks that, you know, I mean, Kyler Murray was a five-star recruit. Jalen Hurts was a five-star recruit. Like, if, you know, Lincoln Riley, impressive. I'm not trying to diminish him, but... Mike Leach, it doesn't matter. He, he pulls these guys, you know, Luke Falk was a walk-on. Um, you know, Gardner Minshew was a no-name who had been at, like, four different schools. And now this Anthony Gordon kid, who knew where he, you know, fifth-year senior, he was a JUCO kid. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. They're, they're always productive. Now, last week on the road at Utah, I guess not last week, but uh, a week and their a half ago, yeah. their last yeah. game, they only managed 13 points. The Utes defense yeah. has been good this year, and they really stifled Washington State. Yeah. Um, the one thing I think we have going for us, because we don't have the altitude, is we have heat and we have a base yeah. defense with five defensive backs, which most teams yeah. don't do. Yep. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, 
you know, the interesting thing is going to be um, we've we've faced one offense that's a pretty good passing attack, and they had pretty good success against us. And have we made some adjustments in the last three weeks to try to, you know, shore up some of those holes? Uh, because, you know, while this defense has been good, we haven't really faced a potent passing game like this except for Colorado, and they had their way with us, even without their top receiver for most of the game. So, um, you know, and, and it'll be not only interesting this week, but, you know, in the coming weeks after that, certainly in November when we play USC, Oregon State, Oregon, Arizona, all teams that have proven, even Oregon State, that they can score a lot of points. Uh, I mean, it, you know, Oregon State hasn't won much, but they've scored. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out starting this week and then in November, you know, is this defense equipped to, to face a good passing game as well? Yeah. Um, I think it's worth noting here that much like the Colorado game, even if the defense is improved and adjustments have been made, the offense is not going to win this game, I don't believe, scoring 10, 19, oh, yeah. or even 24 points. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think they can do it. I think we've seen, you know, a uh, uh, development in the offensive play calling, you know, Daniel's getting a little more comfortable running the ball. Uh, they're willing to stick with Eno uh, and just trust he breaks one, but they're also willing to let Daniel's freelance a little bit. Yes. Yes. Um, I think they're going to need every bit of that swagger that he seems to have from all of the media reports and all of the, uh, you know, talking heads. To the extent yeah. they exist about ASU, uh, <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I mean, this is this is a game that feels like the offense is going to have to play like they did against Colorado. Um, uh, you know, when when they showed me something for the first time all year that you know they could keep up in a game that felt like it was a back and forth. You know, uh, not necessarily dirt cutter type of game where you felt like, boy, if we don't score fifty, we might be in trouble. But a game where you know it's in the thirties and they they got there. Um, they, they didn't come up with the drive at the end, you know, in a couple opportunities, but they did get 31 on the board. And that's, you know, gosh, most times you'd hope that's enough to win um, against Washington State. It may or may not be because they can score a lot more than 31 if you let them. I think one of the keys for this game that I, that I think will be inuring to our benefit is you cannot abandon the run because what you can't let happen is your defense gets blitzed three right. and out and get blitzed again. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You need to be willing to work the clock. You need to be willing to, to not try to match them. Cause that, that's how you yeah. get beat by Washington state is True. you think you go touchdown for touchdown with them. And, and you know, their defense isn't like the, the vaunted Oregon teams of earlier this decade, but True. their defense is good enough where if they make one or two stops early, you just feel like you're, playing catch-up the whole way. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and this team hasn't found itself in very many big deficits yet. I mean, the, the, you know, 14 nothing against Colorado, and that felt, at the time, based on what we'd done the first three games, it felt like it was, you know, 42 to nothing. But we, we bounced back, and we tied it, 14-14, and, you know, from there, we were never down more than seven. Uh, and I think, you know, aside from that, we were never down in the first two games. We weren't up by that much, but we were never down. Uh, we were down what seven to three against Michigan State. We were down, you know, by seven and by three against Cal. So, you know, they haven't they haven't 
you know, except in that one game, faced a deficit of more than seven points. And yeah, Washington State can put you in a twenty-one nothing hole pretty quick. Uh, you know, I mean, if if you let them, you know, get rolling and your offense is going off the field quick, and and that's the concern in this game is, you know, if the offense looks like it did against Kent State, Sac State, Michigan State, that's not going to be good enough because you're going to have to. You're gonna. I, I mean, I totally agree with you. 10, 19, 24 points, which we've won games but this year, not going to be enough. Mm-hmm. It is. It is going to be a real test, I think, of the willingness of the offense with a freshman to do what they were willing to do with a fifth-year senior, which is right. wait, pace yourself, accept the grind even if it's at home and even if it feels like you're starting to lose control. And if we've got the NFL model, and and that's what we're saying, which I don't know if you you caught the Twitter clip from ASU football with – Herman Lewis. Yeah, which I'm not sure Marvin Lewis could have looked less interested in being in that video (laughs) at the beginning. No, Um, I agree. um, But I did notice it. You know, but we're pitching this, then we better, you know – Walk the walk because we're yeah. talking the talk. Yeah, uh, and and you know you said it. I think the last time we talked, or one of the recent times we talked, that you know the 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 feeling that this team does not get into panic mode, and last year's team was the same way. Um, that when when things you know don't go great at a certain point of the game, it's it's not a oh my god we got to make this up all at once or oh boy you know the snowball effect like. It's it's been that way, and that that's borne out by the number of close games that we played. Uh, I mean, what was the number? I think it was like eleven out of thirteen games against you know power five teams that we've played have been one score games. So that tells you, you know, we're not we're not blowing teams out, but we're also not getting blown out. We're not letting things you know snowball on us and and turn into a nightmare. Um, and and so that's you know I, that gives me the confidence from what we've seen so far that that won't happen doesn't mean it can't because it can you know but but uh so far in the herm tenure a year and a half you know we've we've been able to weather that storm and you know embrace the grind as you said you know like just okay you know all right they're up seven nothing no big deal you know we'll, we'll get it we'll get time uh you know maybe we're down 14 like we were against colorado all right it's first quarter you know game's not won in the first quarter and it wasn't you know, we got back in that game and, uh, you know, again, didn't make the plays at the end. But in two games this year, we have it, when it's been a toss up game going to the fourth. And it just, I, I said it last week when we talked, feels like we're going to play several more like that. And this one certainly could be that way, too. Uh, one thing that we know going into this week that we did not know going into any of the other games is. Brandon Reese will definitely not be playing Yeah, because yeah, he has announced yeah. that he is going to redshirt and transfer, um, making Christians and Dejas the kicker. Um, At least for this year I, and maybe for the future. I, I think it requires an, an immediate reassessment um, of what field goal range is for our team. Yeah, uh, And I think yeah. we need to be a little more honest with ourselves about that. Probably, probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, everything is. It depends on the scenario. I mean, if it's fourth and fifteen at the thirty, do you try it? Probably, yeah. Um, you know, but, but if, if it's yeah, over if fifty, it's, 
You it's know, probably not a, a you know it's probably a situation where you try to get them to jump offside and take the take the delay a game if they don't yeah. type of thing you know yeah. and again that's how this team is played you know not pressing for points not panicking you know like okay you know it's okay to punt you don't want to do it a lot but you know it's it's not the worst thing that can result you know and and this team's been pretty good at that like you know all right we'll we'll just play it slow and we'll see what happens. Would you want to reintroduce the uh, the old Todd Graham quarterback punt? <laughs> maybe, 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 uh, maybe that's your Ethan Long. Um, you know, I mean, Mister Do It All, special teams, run, pass, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe he could be our our you know gimmick quarterback slash punter on fourth and medium from you know between the thirty five and forty five or something like that. Who knows? Um, uh, you know, but but uh, yeah, I, the, the restory is. Just weird, I guess, more than anything else. Um, you know, there was now, granted, preseason, you know, in college, injury reports are very shaky everywhere. But there was no report of any uncertainty about him until opening night. And he wasn't out there. And then, I, you know, I remember sending you the tweet that he was out for the first game. Like, eh, okay, that seems weird. And then just week after week after week, it continued. And now he's leaving. It's like, you just feels like there's more to the story, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe it's my cynicism from being a fan this long, where there usually is more to the story, but it just seems like that's the case here. Sometimes when they say it's nothing, it's nothing. <laughs> right. Oftentimes right. when they say it's nothing, it's still probably something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's odd. A local kid who... You know, granted, he, he committed to the previous coaching staff, but he kicked for us last year. Um, so it's, it's not like, you know, he wanted out or something right well, away. He had other opportunities. Remember, he flipped right. his commitment from Alabama. From Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, uh, you know, it's just, it's odd. I don't know if it was just a situation of, okay, you get hurt and the other kid's doing well and it's like, well, maybe I'm going to look at my options. Um, maybe there's some sort of, you know, Kawhi Leonard-esque thing here where, you know, he's thinking that ASU facility, you know, played a part in his injury or or wasn't, you know, good enough in, in helping him come back. I don't know. I mean, I'm totally guessing, but it's just strange um, to have that happen. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. We talked about it last time to hear that he was redshirting this year. But yeah. what surprises me is that he's not coming back next year. <laughs> That's mm. odd. Now, uh, but now you can enter the transfer portal and stay. And come back. Yeah, yeah, you can. And who knows? We've seen other situations at other schools like that. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, well, USC, Savior, Matt one? Fink. We did have one. Um, the, who is it? The kid whose uh, dad was the NFL lineman. Right. Who's now gone again? Yeah. Uh, Taron Adams. Yes. Yeah. Entered the portal, came back, now gone again. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing about this. And who knows? Could happen. Um, but, it, you know, it sure didn't didn't feel that way based on, you know, you read the tweet. It was, you know, a lot of these kids leave the door open. I'm exploring my options. He didn't say that. It was, you know, thanks, Sun Devil Nation, I'm out, basically. Like, okay, uh, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the thing about this system. And if he's graduated, he's got a chance. And he's a good kicker. You know, there's always there's always a demand for a college kicker. Because, you know, even the best programs, Alabama, great example, have struggled to find a good kicker over the years. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they did get a, a freshman kid this year, and so I don't suppose he'll end up there, but who knows? Maybe he will. Maybe that kid will leave Alabama. Uh, you know, you never know with college football now. It's like, you know, you think you know what your roster is going to look like next year. You probably don't. Um, so, yeah, odd story. But, I mean, I guess for now I'll say, you know, wish it the best of luck and move on and hope Christians and Dayhouse can do the job this year. And I think it's something that we should be, you know, recruiting in this this cycle now to find a, a big-time kicker. And Dejas a nice story, but I'd rather not go into 2020 with him as our only kicker. Not unless he adds about eight yards of right. distance, right? Because his accuracy, Which is hard to do. as we've discussed, his accuracy is good. Yeah. And if he's the short guy, that's sure. fine. Sure. But then I want you to have a long guy because you can do that but, in college. You can carry right. two. It's also the, it's also the kickoffs. Another place we're going to miss Reese, and we have missed Reese is. Yeah. You know, our kickoff guy is not a guy who gets it into the end zone much. And Reese had gotten really good last year, especially at like. You know, if, if you wanted to, he could just bomb it through the end zone and that was it. Um, he could kick the short one, you know, if you wanted to try something, but you had that weapon. We don't have that weapon now. Obviously, they don't trust Zendejas to do kickoffs because they haven't sent it out there at all. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it needs to be a priority. You know, it's not a it's not a sexy position. No one gets real excited about, ooh, let's see what kicker we can recruit. But it matters. I mean, everybody makes fun of kickers, and uh, you know, but then it's like, well, as soon as they miss a big kick, wow, you choked. Like, well, yeah, they matter. So maybe we shouldn't make fun of them. Maybe we should realize how important they are to winning games. Yeah. And I know that I have been, and likely will continue to be, critical of Sean Slocum based on his <laughs> NFL tenure with the Packers. Right, right. However, I will say, he has done a good job at ASU. Yes. You know, they, they've blocked, they've actually blocked honest to goodness kicks, which I never, yes. you know, which I never thought I'd yes. see in a non Arizona game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he now needs to come up with an idea for what to do if we're not kicking the ball into the end zone because yeah. we can't, yeah. we can't risk angle kicks because we kick it out of bounds. We've already seen that. Right. right. So is it pop up kicks to, you know, Maybe twenty five, and, and just say, "Look, get see if they'll take the fair catch." Yeah. And yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, there's there's some strategy to it, but but you're right. I mean, big picture, the guy has done a pretty solid job of making special teams not a negative. And for how many years can you look back back to the Dirk Cutter years with Tom Osborne? I remember the name because you know, same name as the the. Uh, legendary head coach this guy not so legendary um you know that it's been like special teams oh god holds your breath they're you know they're costing us points they're costing us yards that's pretty much not been the case since he came aboard i mean there there have been some good impact plays as you mentioned but there's also been just a lot of games where it felt like all right you know it's fine and and that's okay yeah i'm if okay it with our special teams you. just being average yeah look i'm not expecting prime Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech, right, where right. you're blocking a kick every three games, and sure. it's an adventure if anyone wants to try to, you know, punt from their own end zone right. with not enough right. distance. Like, you know, I don't expect that. But what I do expect is let's not give up 65-yard kick returns yeah. all yeah. the time. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you, and, and they've, they've, been, uh, they've been pretty good. 
you know, under under his tenure, even at the beginning of Graham's tenure, special teams was an adventure. And he brought him in, what, his second to last year? Or last year? Whatever year it was. I mean, I think it was, was it the year years. after he left the Packers? Or was there a year? It was, there, the, it was, was there the season he left the Packers. So I think so he left was, the, that was, what, the 2014 season, wasn't it? Yeah. Because um, it was the Super Bowl that, that the Seahawks played the Patriots. So, I mean, what was that, 2015 season for us? Um, you know, he's been pretty solid. And he's one of the only holdovers now, maybe the only one left from the Gramps. Is he? Well, no, I, Lik- am I forgetting? Wasn't Likens the co-offensive coordinator? That's true. Likens was his last. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, he was there. And, uh, yeah. to, be, to be totally transparent, I believe Donnie Yantis had a title. He was the recruiting coordinator or something like that. Now he's now he's actually a position coach, a tight ends coach, right, or something yeah. like that. So there's a few, yeah, I guess. But, you know, I mean, the, the guy who has the same title – I think he's the only one, yeah. um, and and you know, yeah, he's been okay. And this is a uh, you know a, a challenge for him here to figure out what to do without Reese. But I guess the one thing you can say it's sort of like you know talking about the Steelers replacing Le'Veon Bell, and I said it, you know, everybody, oh, they're without Bell, and they didn't have Bell last year, so you know, like we didn't have Reese all year, uh, so him leaving midseason, well, it really doesn't change anything. You know, we've, we've, we've gotten through five games without him. Now we just have to get through seven or eight or nine more, depending on how things go. Yeah, it's just about removing the question. And, and that question right. may have only been outside of the facility. It might have. It might have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you wonder if they kind of knew this was coming. Uh, it would explain so. why you give Zendayas the scholarship. It would. It would, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's odd. It's a surprise. Um, it's one of those that, you know, I'd, I'd love to know the story behind the story, but we, I don't know if we ever will. Uh, sometimes those college sports stories, they just get kind of forgotten. Like, oh, yeah, that guy, whatever happened to him, I don't know. Um, so we'll see. But, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's on Zendejas now. He's gone from, you know, underdog feel-good story replacement to, okay, now you're the kicker. And now your job is to help us win games. Mm-hmm. Now, the last thing I want to touch on specifically that I had for the game was I want to look back at Eno's first five games because we did go in great depth when we did our look back, which is still available on iTunes for anyone who cares. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, But, you know, the first game he had 134 yards from scrimmage, 102 rushing. He caught three balls for 32 yards and a touchdown. The Sacramento State game, he had the ridiculously long touchdown catch, yeah. uh, but 24 carries, 69 yards. Yeah. Um, Michigan State, the lowest total yardage he had, he was held under 50 total yards in that game and a touchdown. And yeah. then the game winner, though. Yeah. And then Colorado, 20 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Cal, 29 carries, 100 yards, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. they're not shy about giving him the ball. And I think you can see the, the, the line, the confidence the coaching staff has in the line is dictated by the play calling Michigan yeah. state game. First game where they had the two freshmen on the line. Yeah. 11 yeah. carries second game, 23rd game, 29. Right. Well, and remember the Michigan state game, it, it took, I think what four or five drives to have one carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he wasn't playing at all. Well, he was playing. He wasn't touching the ball at all. Um, it was bizarre. I mean, we, we were just pass, 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 pass out of the gate, you know. So 
yeah, you, you've definitely, I think, seen the the trust in just the running game overall, not so much him, but the running game overall increase, and it's and the production is increasing. I mean, those those things, I suppose, go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, the last, I, I mean, I remember the Colorado game, you know, being there for the second half and watching and thinking, okay, this is looking more like last year. Not exactly, I mean, you know, but more where it's like, okay, we can give him the ball and we can get five to seven yards. It's not like we're giving him the ball and, oh, one yard, no yards, loss of two. Like, that's how the first two games felt in person. The Colorado game felt better. Now, granted, against Cal, you know, there wasn't a lot of big runs, but that's a really good defense. So that doesn't alarm me that much. I mean, you grind out 100 yards against a really good defense, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the what we talked about during the bye week or the off week or whatever you yeah. want to call it, <laughs> the week where we didn't play a game. Right, right. It gives the line more time to gel and practice and work on their communication without also having to scheme for at least those first four days. Exactly, yeah. yeah so no, I, I'm I mean, expecting and hoping better things. Me too, me too. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of my biggest you know hopes for this week is that this offense looks like all right they're, they're starting to gel one you're facing a defense that's certainly got some weaknesses to it we've seen that um and two you you've now had three weeks with the same offensive line you've had a, an off week to kind of you know all right let's look at what we're doing well what we're not doing well fix some things maybe get some guys a little healthier from their you know bumps and bruises so i mean i, I expect an offense that looks you know, hopefully it's best all year. Um, more like what we saw against Colorado, and less like what we saw the other games this week. And, and you know, that's that's going to be needed, I believe, to win the game. Yeah. Um, so staying on Pac-12 football for a moment, news broke, if you can call it that, leaked, I guess, uh, that Utah mm-hmm. is a potential host for College Game Day. On October nineteenth, which will be uh, the ASU game at Utah, if yeah. both teams win this week, you will assume that both will remain top twenty programs. Sure, sure. Um, this news directly corresponds, of course, to the announcement that this game will be airing on Pac twelve Network because they couldn't get it on a real channel. Man, I I just was flabbergasted when I saw that, and I still am. That, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised that Kent State, Sacramento State were on Pac-12, okay, Colorado, okay, I mean, but that's that means five of our first seven games are on Pac-12 Network, and it's not like we've had a bad season or something, I mean, you know, it feels like our season is, is now, you know, Oregon State, where we're becoming the official team of Pac-12 Network, that's a little frustrating, uh, I mean, for a team that's ranked in the top 20. Now, I don't know if we will still be ranked in the top 20 as these weeks pass. I don't know if we deserve to be right now, but nonetheless, we are. Facts are facts. Um, I I just, yeah, I don't get it. Um, I I hope it means that the November slate will, you know, have more games on regular TV. Um, But, you know, you look at it now, it's like, okay, five of the first seven. The next one to come out is UCLA. Uh, you know, That's like, you, uh, yeah, uh, you know, UCLA game certainly feels like it's headed for Pac-12 Network. Our only other road game after that's Oregon State. They are the official team of Pac-12 Network. It seems like so. Like, geez, I mean, are we gonna are we gonna play? You know, eight nine games on Pac-12 Net this year? I, I mean, I'm I'm 
I'm sort of astounded. Yeah. It's not good, and it's a bad look for the conference if you're trying to get respect that yes, it is. You don't yeah. have you don't have many teams ranked. These are two of your three highest ranked teams, right? And right. you couldn't sell this to FS1. You couldn't sell this to ESPN. I'm not talking well, about I, the ABC game. I'm not talking about no. the Fox game. I'm saying you couldn't sell this to their third or fourth I agree. slot. I agree. That's I'm not. Terrible. Yeah. I'm not fooling myself into thinking, I mean, if game day goes there, I'll be surprised because I believe Penn State, Michigan is next week. If Penn State beats Iowa this week, I think they'll go to Penn State, Michigan. Uh, that's that's a bigger game. Um, but, you know, it's two top 20 teams. As you said, it's two of the top, you know, Oregon, I think, is what, 12 or 13, something like that. But, it, you know, mm-hmm. Utah's 15, ASU's 18. But then, I mean, the thing I guess that's even more head scratching is Colorado Washington State gets an ESPN slot, ESPN two or ESPN U. Admittedly, I mean, not not the greatest, but better than Pac twelve net. I bet Colorado there is Washington more, State. What? I bet there is more saturation of markets on that network than Pac twelve. Oh, I'm I, sure, certainly I, ESPN two. I assume and ESPN U as well has better saturation. I would think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. That just that left me scratching my head, and then you add on Arizona USC's also on Pac-12 Net. So I mean, it's it's not like oh well we got you know we got left out because of USC. Uh, you know, okay, I, I will always you know understand. I mean, it's you know it sometimes sucks, but it's just the way it is. USC is USC, and they 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 carry the weight whether they're good, bad, indifferent. They're they're always you know going to get priority, but they didn't. <laughs> we got we got you know. Set the Pac-12 network while Colorado and Washington State, two teams that aren't exactly lighting it up, two teams that aren't ranked, two teams that, you know, I mean, they don't, they're not necessarily needle movers, is on ESPN. I don't understand that at all. And, I, I, you know, I don't know how the backroom deals work and stuff like that, but that just left me miffed and still does. Yeah. Um, some other... Little cleanup items. Vontez Burfick's suspension is upheld, the longest suspension for an on-field infraction. That's um, right. History by a Sun Devil. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. We, we're, we're we doing knew we'd it. make history in the NFL when we got him as a recruit. This is exactly what they said. Yeah. He's going to be a history maker. And they were right. And, and they yeah. pro- if you if you would have put odds on this um, as a, a thing in his career – it, it would not have been off book because no one would have bet it. I'll say right, that. right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when he when he was recruited, he was gonna, you know, he was gonna break down barriers and he was gonna be great. By the time he left, if you said he's gonna make NFL history, I probably would have said for player discipline, right? And well, that was the case. I think it's an interesting point. Um, Haller's article about him quoted Brandon yeah. Lee, who was a, a friend of his, obviously, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, who talked about how none of it was off-field. It was all on-field stuff with him. True, which true. It, I guess is both good and bad. You know, when you're an exuberant 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, he's been in mm-hmm. the NFL now for years. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, eight years, right? 2011 was his last year here with the, the last year of Erickson. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, he has just never learned how to play the game. And I mean, they, they talked about him on PTI and it, it's a fair point. 
he has not learned how to play the game in this era. I mean, if, if he existed 30, 40 years ago, you know, he probably wouldn't have the reputation he has. He would just be hard-hitting Vontaze perfect. But that's not how the game is played now. Well, and he, he came he, along he at the Jack wrong time. Tatum, Ronnie Ross. Oh, he, yeah. You know, a guy who, <laughs> who the story would have been, you don't go over the middle because Vontaze perfect will take your head off. He'll, he'll strike fear into the hearts of opponents. They make, they make NFL films, you know, uh, romantic-sounding, you know, narratives about him. Oh, well, but, if, if Jacked you know, Up was still a thing, he would have yes. been on it all the time. Yes, yes. But the game, the game had already changed somewhat by the time he came along. And while his NFL career has been going, it's changed even more. I mean, the awareness of, of head injuries and the concussion lawsuit. And, I mean, you know, everything has changed in the last decade. I mean, go, you go back and watch a game from 2008, 2009, and there wasn't a lot of talk about concussions or injuries. You know, guy got dinged, he came back in. I, I remember, I think I told you this a while back, you know, I watched some of the Texas-Ohio State, a replay of that from 05 when Texas won the title, but it was early in the year. And they have Vince Young on after the game, and then whoever the interviewer, you know, oh, you got dinged a little bit, and, you know, uh, boy, you know, you played great after you came back in, you know, maybe you need to do that every week. I'm thinking, yeah, you said that now, you lose your job. And that's not even that long ago. So, you know, the football culture has changed, um, and Vontez has not changed with it. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the game is moving on without him now. Yeah. Um. A couple other things. We're not going to do our full ASU basketball preview, but it's worth remarking that Pac-12 Media Day happened, so it's coming. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is. You know, We're going to have to find a time to, to do that soon because less than a month from now we're probably playing in China. I, I Are we 100% so. sure, given the events of this week, that, that something might change with that? I'm not, but, but I think it'll probably happen. I, I think it will happen too, and, and we will get into that. Um, one thing that came out of Media Day, because we will talk about China, but one yeah. thing that came out of Media Day was uh, Bobby Hurley was asked by Doug Howler about his starting five, and while he wouldn't comment on that, he did yeah. say that Alonzo Verge is playing like a starter, and that's what you want to hear, because he was a highly touted yes. Juco recruit, and yes. if he can step in and play that wing position which will let Lawrence and Cherry and the perpetually questionable Mickey Mitchell uh, <laughs> yeah. be yeah. available for that four yeah. spot. Um, right. You know, and then it's it's basically just Romello White at, at the Yeah, point. oh, it is. <laughs> it is, yeah. He's, he's going to carry a lot of weight up front. But, but I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the Verge kid, I, you know, I remember the story, what, five, six months ago or whatever it was that Haller wrote. And, you know, the raves that he got about what a great scorer he is. And I'm thinking, eh, you know, we've, we've heard this before about recruits and JUCOs, both football and basketball. So it's always sort of a, you know, show me, don't tell me type of thing. And it still is. He hasn't shown us anything yet. But, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see him, uh, you know, if he, if he is one of the guys actually up to the billing, that's going to help us a lot. Uh, you know, because we, we do, we will need the, the scoring First, I mean, we lost, we lost, you know, two guys who were among our leading scorer. I don't think Dort was our leading scorer, and Cheatham might have been our second leading scorer. Well, and um, if you look at points they were responsible for, I think Cheatham is yeah. high up there because he was such a facilitator, especially right, in the games when Randy was hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, we're you know, 
I mean, the, the game, you know, to, to quote Greg Popovich, the game is about putting the ball in the basket, you know, who does it more. And we're going to need somebody to, you know, that, that can do that. We lost a good chunk of our scoring from last year. So if this kid's ready to step in and, and you know, be a volume scorer and not be an inefficient scorer, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. You know, I, I don't need 20 points on 25 shots. I need 20 points on 12 shots. If we can do that, I'll feel pretty good. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I think that an interesting – I haven't done enough analysis, and by that I mean reading enough stories that other people wrote because I don't live there and I can't watch on my own. Uh, right, right. But I haven't done enough research into this, but I'm I'm thinking about a taller five-guard St. Joe's team uh-huh, uh-huh. or a Huggy Bear Kansas State team type team where you know you have one guy who's six feet tall everyone else is between six four and six nine yeah and yeah. everyone guards everybody when white's not in yeah know? yeah and and i think that there's i mean we saw a little bit of that last year uh you That's know what they did with Cheatham were big parts of that yeah uh but what were you saying they, they did with who i said that that is what they did with Cheatham. is they Cheatham, we yeah. saw that in the kansas game you need the point yeah. guard needs to be cooled down all right he's on the point guard the center yeah. needs to be cooled down. All right, he's yeah. on the center. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and that's tough to replace. And you know that that'll be a big question for this year is how do you replace all the things he brought, offense, defense, rebounding, everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think you're right about that. I'm I mean, I I'm curious to see this team. I'm always always am. I mean, it, you know, every year, even the years that have you know felt like could be ugly. You know, when you get to this point of the year, like all right, let's see, but. But I'm excited for what this team can bring to the table, and you know they've they've uh, they've set a standard now that you know okay you you getting to the tournament is the standard, um, and now the expectation or the goal should be getting deeper in the tournament. Let's you know, not can play we, in the Can first we get to the second field. weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we can we not be on the bubble yeah. going to you know selection Sunday? Can we not be in the first four? And we, I mean, you know, the, the big goal, I think, for this program is to get to the Sweet 16. Uh, I mean, that would be huge. We haven't been to the Sweet 16 since 1995. been a long, long, long time. Um, you know, you and I were in, what, fifth grade? Maybe not even that. Fourth grade, something like that. So yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so, I mean, that would be that would be huge if, if that could happen. I don't know if this is the team to do it. I mean, gosh, who knows? Um but I think that's that should be the the new goal. You've made the tournament. The new goal should be all right. Let's advance in the tournament. Let's get out of that first weekend and make some noise. And, and you know that's easier to do if you got a better seed. If you don't have to go to the first four, uh, you know those type of things. It makes that easier to do. I, here, here's the when you said that. Here's the first thing that jumped into my mind, which should be a really depressing thought for any ASU fan. Arizona's national title was more recent than our last yeah. 16 trip. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 95 is a long time ago. I mean, you know, that's, that's, uh, there's a lot that's changed and, you know, a lot of things have happened in sports. I mean, you could play that, you know, they always do that when something happens for the first time, you know, what was the number one song and what was the price of gas and blah, 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 blah. Uh, you'd, it'd be stunning if you looked at all that stuff because it's been a long time. I mean, 25 years now when this season ends. So hopefully we can end that drought soon. Um, I, I think we've got the the right guy at the helm to, to try to do that. Uh, it doesn't mean he will, but 
I'll take my chances with with him over you know anybody else. I guess right now. Um. So let's talk about and wrap up this conversation with the NBA and China and yes. Now one thing before we do that, we did not actually make picks on this Washington State game. Oh my gosh, to? you're right. Yes, I, of course. Okay. Before we transition to basketball completely, yeah. give me yours, I'll give you mine. Uh, so just to go over this real quick, ASU is a one and a half point, or I'm sorry, one point favorite, uh, and yeah. the over-under is 59 points. I think that it's going to be uh, ASU 31, Washington State 30. Well, mine is pretty similar. I was going to say 35, 30. Well, ASU, um, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a similar type of game to Colorado, but I'm going to say our, our three weeks uh, of improvement is the difference and we could get this win. All right. So you got that. Now, you got your recap. We're, we're now yes. going to drift into stuff that, uh, look, I, I've read some things about it and I've pulled up the uh, CNN.com timeline of events so that I can walk through it for, for accuracy's sake. Yes. At least as accurate as CNN is, uh, because I didn't do it myself, but I assume they're <laughs> accurate because, you know, the tweets are time and date stamped, so it's tough right. to be. Right. Um, that was not a CNN bash. I actually think CNN is a fantastic no, first you. class news organization. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you want, I mean, you want me to go fake news or something like that? Is that what you're trying to set up? I won't. No, but, you no, know, but if you I, wanted and, me to. And here's the thing: I, I worried <laughs> that people will, if if they listen to us, which they uh, yeah, 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 exactly, uh, yeah, yeah. But so Daryl Morey sends a tweet: "Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong." Now, <laughs> the Rockets organization of which Morey is the GM has yeah. a long and rich history of working with China since Yao Ming. Yes. They are perhaps the most popular NBA team in China because of Yao Ming. They were at least. And, they might not be anymore, but yeah, yeah. And Maury posted this tweet because, as you know, there are protests going on in Hong Kong um, it, uh, against uh, the Chinese government and the crackdowns from china yeah. uh yeah. have been widely reported although potentially not well reported in china or at least evenly reported yeah. yeah um so maury sends this tweet the rocket's owner immediately follows up with a tweet and i'm gonna quote it listen ellipses his ellipses not mine right at d maury does not all caps speak for the houston rockets our presence in Tokyo is all about promotion of the NBA internationally, and we are not a political organization. And he uh, tweeted at ESPN and was quoting Maury's tweet, which has since been deleted. Yeah. Uh, China, through the Chinese Basketball Association, uh, said that it would suspend all cooperation with the Rockets. Its consulate general in Houston urged the team to clarify and immediately correct the mistakes, meaning <laughs> Maury's tweet. Right, uh, which he did delete. Yeah, China's top state sports broadcast network uh, announced that it would suspend the airing of Rockets games on TV, uh, even though last season more than 600 million people watched NBA games on the Chinese television networks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another streaming company said that they would suspend live streaming of the games, 
uh, as well as any reporting of news about the Rockets. Uh, 500 million Chinese people watched NBA programming on the Tencent platform that was canceling it. <laughs> yeah. On Monday, the NBA had an initial response that Maury's views, quote, have deeply offended many of our friends and fans in China, which is regrettable. That which did not go over well. Even more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not the best response because it certainly fanned the flames here. Uh, there was a bipartisan rebuke of that um, because this obviously has a lot of political intonations. Oh, sure. oh yeah. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, the Democrat running for president from Texas, called the NBA's response an embarrassment. Senator Rick Scott, a Republican from Florida, said it's clear the NBA is more interested in money than human rights. The NBA is kowtowing to Beijing to protect their bottom line and disavowing those with temerity to stand with Hong Kong. Shameful. Um, Daryl Morey then tweeted to clarify his own tweet, uh, saying (laughs) that he did not intend to offend Rockets fans or his friends in China. He was merely voicing one thought based on one interpretation of one complicated event. He's had an opportunity to, since the tweet to hear and consider other perspectives. <laughs> Quote, I have always appreciated the significant support of our Chinese fans and sponsors. My editorial, good job mentioning the sponsors. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've always appreciated the significant support of our Chinese fans and sponsors have provided, and I would hope that those who are upset will know that offending or misunderstanding them was not my intention. My tweets are my own and in no way represent the Rockets or the NBA. Uh, Trying to case, put that genie back in the bottle, but it did not work. Uh, in case you were wondering how the newest majority owner of an NBA franchise, uh, Chinese national Joe Tsai, right. uh, took it, he said in a lengthy Facebook post in part, the NBA has been very progressive in allowing players and other constituents a platform to speak out on issues. Mm-hmm. He then criticized supporters of Hong Kong's protests, calling them a separatist movement in a territory controlled by China, and that... Chinese citizens stand united when it comes to the territorial integrity of China and the country's sovereignty over her homeland. This issue is not negotiable because obviously this is something you want to be negotiated between the owner of the Brooklyn Nets and the GM of the Houston Rockets. Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> On Tuesday, the NBA tries again. <laughs> Adam, yeah. At this time, a statement attributed to Adam Silver The NBA will not put itself in a position of regulating what players, employees, and team owners say or will not say. We simply could not operate that way. Um, And then he says, I do know there are consequences from freedom of speech. We will have to live with those consequences. For those who question our motivation, this is about far more than growing our business. Now, here is where I want to shift gears briefly. Okay. To, um, I, I think, discuss the sports world reaction to this, not the political yeah. one. But yeah. they kind of yeah. overlap. That's the one that has, has fascinated me more. ESPN has issued a statement saying they're only going to talk about the game because that's what the Chinese government wants. They're not here to talk mm-hmm. about the protests. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they are being called out by people like Clay Travis, who is of course, a, who lives to criticize ESPN, we yes. should note. And, and as as we know, he is the paragon of consistency. That's right. Which That's is right, yeah. which is why I find it interesting 
that he would say this when at the same time criticizing athletes who speak out on social issues that they should stick to playing sports because now there is a social issue. The (laughs) major network decides to stick to sports and that now is cowardice and a problem. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean, this is convenient narrative for someone like Clay Travis. It's not a convenient narrative for a lot of people. And, and that's what I've noticed. But, but for someone like him, I mean, this is ah, this is manna from heaven. Uh, I mean, you know, you can take shots at, at uh, athletes. You can take shots at ESPN. Uh, I mean, this, uh, he couldn't have ordered up a better story. By Yom Kippur, which for those of you who don't know was yesterday, right. uh, every one of the NBA's partners in China had suspended its ties. There were 11 official Chinese partners in the NBA uh, all of them suspended their ties with the league between Monday and Wednesday, according to CNN Business. It is falling apart very quickly. Other Chinese firms are distancing themselves from their official yeah. partnerships. Um, but they did play the game today, uh, which I know there was some doubt that they would. They did have the game, and there were people there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, now they all they canceled all media availability, which I'm sure the teams were not too uh, unhappy about. Um, you know, but uh, it's it's played under a cloud of uncertainty. But they they did have it, uh, you know. So you, you could you know, it almost feels like they they maybe reached at least a temporary uneasy peace. Um, a couple things that we can discuss or just note: um, Donald Trump became incredibly critical of, for some reason, Steve Kerr, who didn't speak on the issue for not well, speaking on the issue. Uh, well, now, now uh, let me say this. I like Steve Kerr. You know I do. Right. I, I mean, I went to Steve Kerr's basketball camp. Um, but Steve Kerr has had no hesitancy in speaking out about political issues, you know, relative to Donald Trump, relative to, you know, things that are happening in the U.S. And for him to play the, yeah, I'm not going to comment on it, it, it rang hollow to me. Uh, now, I'll give him. Uh, I'll give him this. I'll, give, I'll say one thing for him. He said, "I'm not informed enough to comment on it." Okay, well, I, I, you and, and that, I discussed that, and that's and, where and, I was going to go. It's yeah, different I, you when know, you now, ask him his opinion about statements he's aware of and things that are sure, going on. Sure. And, now, and, here's what I would say, though. Here's what I would say: get informed. And, and, if, and a, a good reporter, a good reporter, in a couple weeks, if they've got the balls, would go to him and say, "Okay, Steve." You had a chance to, to get educated. Now, what's your opinion? And if he still says he doesn't know, you continue to follow up. I mean, I'm not saying you got to do it every day, but he has he has said he has made himself a voice on political issues. That, that's the decision he's made. So get informed. I, and I have no problem if he if he really is not informed enough to comment. More people should say that. I was going to say, in I mean, fact, we, that should know, be encouraged. Yes, I agree. I mean, you know, now now hot take shows would go off the air if people actually were honest and said, I'm not informed enough to comment. I absolutely, I mean, I've told you that. We've had conversations and I've said, you know what, I just don't, I don't know enough about it to comment, so I'm not gonna. Um, I have no problem with that, but then he needs to get that way. He can't play, now a lot of guys can. A lot of other coaches could absolutely, and I would have no problem with it if... Let's say Monty Williams, the coach of the Suns, just to pick the guy closest to, to my neck of the woods, or Mike Budenholzer, the guy closest to you. If they said, "I'm not informed enough to know what's going on in China," and and I, so I don't really want to comment on it. All right, 
because they've never really delved into the political realm. So fine. But if you're Steve Kerr, if you're Greg Popovich, who is my favorite coach, he coaches my favorite team. I love Greg Popovich. LeBron James is my probably my second favorite basketball player ever to Tim Duncan. They have all made it very clear they're willing to go into the political realm. So you can't now say, eh, hold off on this one. That, that doesn't work. You know, that that is that opens them up to criticism of, hey, when it's not convenient for your business's bottom line, now you want to, you know, go quiet on political issues. And that's fair criticism. I think. I agree to a point. If you ask them their views and a lot of the criticism, I have to say, has come out of criticism they've had for for the current uh, administration it has it has and, and it's and it's been i think driven in large part by a defense of their players sure. or the sure. general attitude of the league because this all started the Kerr stuff really came about when curry said well we're not going to go to the white House. right Right, and LeBron right. James said, "Well, we're not. Yeah, obviously, we're not going to. We're play. not going to, and and that's fair. They are more than I, I. I got no problem with that opinion. That's the beauty of of this country as compared to China is they can have their opinion. And, you know that that's that's exactly it. They can have their opinion. They can express their opinion. Great, but here's the thing that I find interesting. Let's not let's not fool ourselves into thinking that they don't gain by expressing that opinion. There's a lot of people." who absolutely 100% agree with them. And so they're gaining some popularity with those people. Now, they're also risking some popularity with people who disagree with them. But you're not really risking much of the bottom line. This is risking some of the bottom line if you come out as, you know, anti-China. China puts a lot of money in the NBA's pockets, which then those, that money goes to Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and LeBron and et cetera, et cetera. LeBron, especially with his relationship with Nike, has a huge business tie with China. So well, it is market. dicey for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge market. And, I mean, I, I told you this in text this morning. It is a lose-lose-lose situation for LeBron. If he says nothing, he's weak. If he comes out as anti-China, he risks, you know, losing some of his economic boon. If he comes out as, you know, pro-China, uh, well, then he's going to get ripped here. I mean, it, there is no good solution for him. He could, he could come out and say, I stand with human rights, blah, 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 and it's going to be, well, that's not enough, you know, cut your ties with Nike if you really stand for, you know, people will criticize him no matter what. That's absolutely true. But the fact he said nothing to me, it, it rings a bit weak. And again, you know I love LeBron. He, I mean, I, I defend LeBron, and, and this doesn't change my opinion of him as a player one bit. I still am a huge fan of his. I still will root for him to you know win more championships and MVPs and all of that. But if you're going to be outspoken, then you can't pick and choose when to be outspoken. I, I don't feel like. Now, maybe other people, you may disagree with me, and I, I'm open to hearing that. But I, I just think, you know, this is one where, you know, to have real courage is to say what you think no matter what the repercussions there are repercussions if he says what he thinks on this. And so far, he hasn't said what he thinks. I agree that there is an appropriate amount of courage to saying what you think. I, I think that this criticism is better suited for LeBron than Kerr right now based on the discussion yeah. we had. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because, because I don't view it as Steve Kerr ducked the issue. He was honest. This thing happened on Monday. Right. Right. He and he got asked on Tuesday. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Uh, and so, so when he says, look, I, I haven't looked into it. I don't know. You know, I'm not educated enough to have an opinion yeah. on this. Okay. I, For the moment, I will absolutely give him that. But then I would say, someone should okay, tell up. me when you get educated. You know, because again, you have made it. He has made it. Where he is, he wants to be a voice on these things. And that's fine. I got, I got no problem with that. I'm not saying that sarcastically, like, oh, well, yeah, you want to be a voice? No, that's fine. But then you, you know, then you need to do that. You need to do your part and be a voice on that. And if you say, you know, hey, I, I don't know enough about it. All right, find out enough about it. Check back with us when you do, and we're gonna ask. A good, you know, like I said, good media. I don't know if there's if there's mm-hmm. you know good media in, in Oakland or San Francisco or not. Although this is now a national story, so it might not matter would follow up well would, would I, wait, I you know have, a week or two and say okay you know uh, what do you know now well what do you think? i i don't know how to put this but uh steve kerr got asked about this today did he okay. uh like in the last 20 minutes okay okay so i haven't did he seen, say anything i haven't seen the clip i'm i'm reading some of the quotes from Anthony Slater at Anthony V Slater, the athletics warriors okay. reporter. Okay. Uh, apparently, I'll look him up too while we're talking. apparently Steve Kerr said, um, on Trump's criticism, I was the shiny object yesterday. There was a new one today. There'll be a new one tomorrow. <laughs> the circus goes That's on. That's probably true. Fair enough. Uh, he also said the same people asking me to stick to sports are asking me to expand my horizons. And then there is on, uh, Slater's Twitter feed, there is a two-minute response that Kerr gave in greater detail on why he's been unwilling to take a stance yeah. on the situation. Okay. Um, obviously, I can't listen to that while we're recording because right. can I. Yes. that, that yes. won't really work. But I mean, I'll, I'll check it out. And again, you know, I don't, I don't relish knocking Steve Kerr. I like Steve Kerr a lot. He, you know, he was nice to me when I was a kid. I, I talked to him when I was in college and he was the GM of the Suns. I saw him at, a, you know, the, the NCAA tournament here. He remembered me, I think, you know, seemed to a good guy. I've always liked him. I hate the Warriors, but I, I like him. Um, and so, I, you know, and, and certainly, you know, Popovich and LeBron and from the, all the years we've been friends, I've liked them all those years. Uh, so these are guys who I like. This is not like me piling on Tom Brady or Sean Miller or something like that. Like, oh, you're loving this opportunity to rip them. I just I try to be objective, and I feel like this is a situation. Popovich too, like Popovich has been very outspoken about Trump and about politics, and so so where's he been on this? Like I mean, honestly, like if you want to be that voice, then you need to be the voice all the time. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard anything from him. Now I can I, you know I I don't live in San Antonio. I, you know I mean they're not on the stage that the Warriors are. So I don't know. I don't know if he's been asked about it. I don't know if he said anything about it. I'm not sure, but I sure I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm looking on, you know, to see if there's anything from Twitter about, you know, uh, any follow up with Pop, and I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard. Now, again, they're not playing over there. They're not, you know. I mean, Kerr is a 
a more visible voice than Popovich is because of the Warriors and you know all that. Um, and and you know, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that Popovich doesn't you know live in the heads of the San Antonio media. And so I mean, while I like some of the guys in the San Antonio media, I like reading them. I'm sure they all live in a little bit of fear of you know running afoul of Greg Popovich. He's like Bill Belichick. You know, he can he can make their lives really difficult with one move because um, he's got that kind of power and influence. So has anybody had the gumption to ask him? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, doing this and getting on Twitter about it is just a deep dive and oh, terrifying boy. It awfulness. Is. So it absolutely I'm gonna, is. I'm get yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter is, is a, you know, a deep dive on awful everywhere. Last night, you know, you would have thought that Clayton Kershaw had, you know, clubbed a baby seal or something like that. I mean, people just take delight in ripping people. I don't, I don't, I don't personally enjoy it. It's just not my way of consuming sports. There are certainly, I take delight when Arizona loses because I hate Arizona. You know, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl, but the, the just seeming delight in anyone's failure, it doesn't matter who they are, it, it bothers me. But that's a different discussion, I guess. Yeah. Well, I try to try to be a little bit positive. Certainly, I enjoy when teams I don't like lose. But, you know, I don't, I don't like being so negative all the time. I really don't. But it seems like a lot of sports fans do. Yeah. Well, and this, this has the fun concoction of Angry sports fans and angry political and Twitter. Angry political. Oh yeah, and and you know, I mean, I, I would venture, you know, you, what you said about Kerr. Sure, I'm sure he's exactly right. That you know, the same people who said, "Hey, why don't you shut up and stick to sports," are relishing in this because now they can say, "Well, hey, Mister Stick to Sports, you know, Mister, I won't stick to sports now. Wants to stick to sports, and you know, I mean, it, you know, things like this make strange um, bedfellows when it comes to you know. And now you want me to do something that you didn't want me to do. But those people do in some ways have a point here. Like, you know, okay, you were, I'm not going to stick to sports guy, so don't stick to sports. Uh, you know, if Tim Duncan, who's now an assistant coach with the Spurs, it, you know, if Tim Duncan was asked about this and, and said, you know, I don't really have any comment on it, I don't want to come. Okay, Tim Duncan played for 20 years and never had an inflammatory thing to say once. So, fine, if he wants to continue to do that, awesome. But these guys have so you kind of you know you put the onus on yourself to do it again yeah um which by the way tim duncan being an assistant coach with the spurs different topic but that's just it still blows my mind i can't wait to see this in person well and that press release as we've touched on that was, was great. an all-time it was, totally great. <laughs> it was classic spurs yeah, I mean, I mean, they 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 are probably playing a character of themselves by now, and yet that was that was right from the Spurs playbook. You know, name him second, announce the other guy first. Yeah, Will and Hardy one, and Tim Duncan know, yeah. are added. And then to the one staff. sentence that you know he played nineteen seasons with the Spurs and graduated from Wake Forest. Yeah, no mention of his titles, his MVPs, his you know career ranks, anything. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know my. My uh, experience working for a team, you know, just made me realize how different that would be if, if it was the, you know, I know with the Cardinals, something like that. Good Lord. Well, I mean, I, I mean the, the press release started with, and this is from July, so we're rehashing, yes. but the press release right. starts, Spurs announce assistant coach updates, not Tim Duncan joins the staff, right. not, right. his name's not in the headline. 
And then the San Antonio Spurs announced that Will Hardy and Tim Duncan will be added to Greg Popovich's <laughs> bench as assistant coaches. And then yeah. goes right into Hardy first joined the Spurs as a yeah. basketball operations intern in 2010. And then a quote from yeah. Pop, Will Hardy is a talented young basketball <laughs> mind who earned a great deal of respect from everyone in the organization thanks to his knowledge, spirit, and personality. And then after that, the Duncan is Duncan, yeah. a 97 Wake Forest graduate, played 19 seasons with the Spurs before retiring in the summer of 2016. Yep. And a snarky pop quote. And a sarcastic pop quote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great. It really was. And, and you know, I, I, I'm sure that they are laughing at themselves. I'm sure they know that this, you know, how it was going to be received. Uh, and they probably play the uh, what? Who us? Uh, we were just we were just being factual, you know. It's what he was, um, you know. But man, let me let me just tell you that. Let's say Larry Fitzgerald comes back to be the wide receivers coach for the Cardinals in 2022 or whatever. Uh, they will have an 18 paragraph release naming every single catch that he made and every single touchdown he had. And they, you know, I mean, they will go so far over the top. This was the exact opposite. So I loved it. Yeah, it was subtle. It was, uh, it, was, it was. It was. It was. Really it was. It was. It was enjoyable, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. Uh, I'm anxious. I think they come here in, in January. I'll be. I'll be going. I want to see. Uh, I want to see Tim Duncan on the bench, and you know, wearing a suit. I guess that'll that'll be an unusual look for him. There's going to be a lot more basketball talk between here and there, but uh, we've got a football game this weekend. We will be back to recap that to look around what happened the rest of the college That's football right. action. Uh, yeah, big weekend. So, yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about when it's all said and done. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.